everyone. Welcome to the Just Pick Something podcast, where we discuss movies, TV shows, and we're going to try and experiment with the format of this podcast. The start of this episode will contain some just quick discussions of various topics like trailers, TV shows, movies, or other media we've recently seen before moving on to a longer in-depth discussion. This episode is going to have discussions about the movie RRR or Thor 4, Love and Thunder, or both. We'll see. I can just edit whatever I want after the fact. <laughs> but aside from that, time codes will be in the description as usual. And to start this episode, do you want to talk about anything in particular from this week, Franco? Um... I guess the big thing that I watched this week would have been Miss Marvel. I just finished. Oh, yeah. On Disney Plus, that's actually one of the things that came out this month that I haven't had any time to watch yet. I've been keeping up with it. Miss Marvel historically has been like, if anybody has like knew me personally, they would be like, oh, Anthony came into reading comics basically like when Miss Marvel was introduced into the comics. So she was like one of the first characters I ever got really into. Yeah, yeah. When she appeared on the scene in like comics, man, it was really cool because it was like, oh, yeah, here's this character from from like a different background that we usually see who writes fan fiction and is in love superheroes and now has her own set of powers and like backstory what a cool idea yeah it was it was great i fucking loved it it was like right as soon as i started reading comic books she came out and i was like i had i had started with captain marvel with carol danvers yeah and then she came out and i was like oh this is great i love this this is like my favorite marvel character so i was super excited to see that she was going to get a tv show um very upset to see that they changed her powers in origin oh i remember <laughs> when you were like i'm so mad that they changed her abilities because it does kind of change her character it's like the first <laughs> arc which is like print like if, if you're a fan of the comic is iconic it's just like I'm like yo you can't even do like half of this and they kind of do part of it and i was like but it doesn't it doesn't hit the same and i'm very upset but overall like the show i just we just i just finished and i'm like this show was cute <laughs> <laughs> well good to know i can approach that show when i wanted to eventually watch it as like man time to watch that cute show that franco mentioned <laughs> yeah you watch the first three episodes and the last one four and five or should have been another season entirely no I'm oh kidding. really it's only that few episodes Oh, wow. It's only six episodes, yeah. Only six episodes. They did a... I don't know what it is about Marvel. They don't know how to handle these TV shows. So I do actually think that it should have been two separate seasons. And well, we can get into... I mean, I would love to talk about Marvel Phase 4, where we're currently at, as we talk about Thor 4, Love and Thunder, because... Oh, man. Man, there's so much to talk about of that movie and Marvel in general coming out of that watch... Oh man! Yeah, so but I watched it. And I was like, you know what? I don't like that they change the powers. But every it's crazy. It's like every time they have a moment with her and her family and her friends, like the community around her, I'm like, this is why I read the book. This is why I loved the character. It's like have nothing to do with any of the people she fought. It's nothing to do with her powers. None of that stuff. It has to do with her and her friends and her family. And I love it. And then they would be like, all right, cool plot powers. <laughs> And I'm like, this sucks. I hate it. <laughs> I, I've read, I think, a little bit of her comics when they first came out, but I never really got into it. Like, I, I didn't go buy the pay, trade paperbacks or, like, follow her story in depth. And then the trailer started coming out for this show, and I was like, oh, this looks cool. Like, I knew it could be a really cool thing for the people who love the comics or felt, like, represented by her character. Yeah. I just didn't have that connection to it. Oh, no, it was it was crazy. I, I was really into it when it first came out. I ran, a, I ran like, a fan page on Instagram 
time frame with Marvel at one point. Nice. Should I go find it and like dig through your the no. internet? <laughs> I'll never find it. I'll never. I'll never tell you which one it is. <laughs> um, but there, it was crazy because there were some people who were fans of it because they were of Pakistani descent, and they would show their daughter and they would post pictures and stuff, and they would be like, "Oh, well, my daughter loves Miss Marvel," and like, yada, yada, blah, blah. And I was like, "This is great." Like, this sucks that I'm uh, a white Hispanic dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a white looking Hispanic, Hispanic dude running this page, but like, this is a dope. <laughs> I mean, hey, a win for someone else's culture is a win for my culture, right? Like, yeah, of course. Like, you just got, you got to love representation in general. Like, I love to see it, even if it's not my culture specifically. You know, it's kind of like, um, kind of like when I see gay media represented in certain things and i'm like every time we get like a turning red or black panther or uh any like any movie or show that has to do with like black and asian rap i'm like this is awesome phenomenal where's the hispanic rap but like i'm 100 percent rooting for you guys like i love it but i'm also super excited for blue beetle and that gonna be great <laughs> yeah no i'm excited for that chat too but you know what were you watching the boys at all like have you watched it i, I do not watch the boy <laughs> uh, mostly because my wife is like a little bit more she doesn't she doesn't she's a little bit more squeamish than i am oh dude fair enough that show it is a very hard sell to for someone that may not like you know superheroes let alone superheroes that are just a like satire of like the worst parts of america you know oh man no i showed her the first episode of invincible with no uh with no trigger warning mm-hmm. and she was like this is a perfectly acceptable show that's not at all like why are you making me watch this and then the final scene happens and she's like i hate you <laughs> oh man don't talk to me for the next hour i'd hate you why did you do that we're not watching that show anymore <laughs> oh man those two shows specifically because they're on amazon prime and they feature Seth rogan's behind both of them uh yeah i think he has made a name for himself in adapting comics and putting them on like different platforms he was involved in the preacher adaptation oh yeah he was he was involved in the boys he's involved in i think invincible too green hornet obviously classic yeah yeah that beautiful gem of a movie where uh, <laughs> he plays the sidekick to you know kano yep. <laughs> yeah but um and uh, speaking about like the boys in invincible it's fun and interesting to compare both of them because they feature a superman type character because yeah. you have both characters who are like superman ish allegories and what if one creator hates the idea of superheroes and wants to satire like current politics and then one creator wants to show why superheroes are awesome and love superheroes and media like spider-man and also want to show why superman would be horrible to live yeah. with I, I, I love the disparity between the two of them yeah sucks that we also don't in this jo- these great like depictions of like superman-esque characters mm-hmm. we don't also have a really good current run of superman <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Media, actually you know what never mind i take that back superman and lois is actually really good oh really i haven't seen that so i'll take your word for that but it's not on the same profile as those two but yeah the boys yeah just um briefly talk about the boys aside from it being a super hard sell and maybe anybody interested in the boys should probably look up some of the plot because it comes out oof, with some really heavy themes but i was aware and read some of the comics and i think this is a pretty good and even better adaptation of the source material because it makes things modern just adapts things to fit our current society like homeland is basically just the trump parallel right and they make fun of people on the right and the left and all these things that people listening to this have probably heard about but i would say it's pretty good season i was really excited where they left off and i'm excited for the next season it's just kind of 
I think to myself, this show just continues to be a very hard sell. Yeah, no, uh, the comic is definitely a hard sell in general as well. Mm -hmm. But like, I know they've toned it down, but I know they didn't tone it down that much. No, no. Uh, (laughs) They changed the humor and the craftsness to just be kind of more like, I don't know, bleak and existential about like the feeling of, I guess, everyday people in our actual society. And when they experience politics and feeling kind of like, you know, no control over horrible events. But you replace that politicians with superheroes and like there you go because again homelander trump parallel another character pretty much just aoc and then you go on and on and like whatever but yeah great show hard sell i'm excited for season four and i'm wondering where they're gonna go from here because they set up some things and i you know who knows what's gonna happen next did you watch anything else aside from superhero related media? I started watching this show on HBO Max called Bird Girl. That the Harvey uh, Harvey Birdman spinoff? Yeah, it's kind of like a sequel spinoff of Bird Girl from that show. Harvey Birdman and Turning a Law, Adult Swim from like the mid-aughts. I don't think it's for everyone. I'm enjoying it. It's quite zany and wacky and like an adult whim kind of humor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then no, I, I've, uh, the mo- the main thing that I've been re- I've been watching is I've been rewatching uh, Spectacular Spider-Man because it just came on Netflix. Oh yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna rewatch this. Oh, also, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Dude, I heard that was good. It's so good. I know people would like be like, eh, but they changed the designs and the animation. And I'm like, the animation first off, phenomenal. Second off, the designs are cool. And third, just shut up and watch the show. It's good. <laughs> yeah the movie's coming out in august yeah yeah man there's some cool stuff coming out and a lot of things to keep up with like a movie that came out like a year or two ago i wanted to watch and never got around to it until just like last week was last night in soho oh man it's on hbo max now yeah 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 i was like oh dope finally i could watch this movie i've been wanting to and just haven't made time to watch it so i sat down and watched it and like i really liked it it was really interesting i know it was kind of a hit and miss for some people but i thought it was really interesting i started watching it um i got busy and the first thing that kind of like surprised me was like how much it didn't feel like a typical edgar wright movie yeah it was kind of a different take on his usual style or movie but his style was still in the movie it just was different okay I, I, i'm gonna check it out just because i have been meaning to i just haven't had the time yeah it, it i think the fun part of that movie is that it kind of acts like a murder mystery almost without uh, okay. a murder taking place initially in the movie like i'm not going to say much spoilers because you haven't watched the entire thing right but it very much feels like a murder mystery from the get-go because spoiler for the first five minutes the main character sees a ghost and it's her mom and you're like oh immediately there's something supernatural it's going to be an aspect of this movie awesome and then she moves to uh, london and starts her university life journey and she's from a small town in the rural countryside so it's going to be like oh i have an idea what this movie is going to be about and for me the journey was a really interesting and creative ride to the end i'll definitely check it out then just because i've been meaning to and it's on hbo max so i might as well i have it's not like i have yeah access to it (laughs) yeah i i mean i love edgar wright's movies so it's not like i wouldn't search more of his movies if i didn't have the chance and the chance presented itself do you have anything else because i got one more thing before we move on to the question of the movies that we were going to discuss in depth oh um i watched the sea beast on netflix the sea beast the sea beast yes it's an animated movie about um these hunters that go around trying to hunt these giant kaiju sized sea monsters and it's about a little girl who stows away on a ship of like a captain ahab type character oh yeah yeah very much like i met your dragon ass very similar in terms of like plotting and like story beat mm-hmm. but um it's a movie right yes yeah, it's a movie and 
the main thing I'll say about the movie is that like it's directed very well. Like on a technical level and like a visual level, they do a lot of good work where they're like they know how to utilize pretty much every inch of the designs that they've created. Or like you know that they're like, oh, if we're gonna be on a boat, we're using every inch of that boat. If we're gonna be on a sea monster, we're gonna like utilize the sea monster. And so it's very interesting to watch. Um, just on like th- that that level. Well, I wouldn't say that it's like a ten out of ten story wise. It's pretty like run of the mill. And like, there's like not like anything like crazy out of the ordinary, but it's like mm-hmm. on like a visual like work level, it's like very impressive. It's like when we're because we're going to talk about two heavy action oriented movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the action in this movie is very clean. It's very much like the, there's a moment where like one of the ships is like going like sideways into the water mm-hmm. and the characters will be like, all right, cool. So I'm sliding down here. I stabbed the sword into the ground so that someone can catch on to it. I'm now being able to walk up the giant pillar in the middle. Like it's actually lore. It's a way that they know how to use the environment and like all their actions Mm -hmm. is like they're just very smart and like they don't leave any stone unturned when it comes to like how to use their space and it's very cool very much like the direction of that movie yeah, that sounds awesome i might go check it out some soon you know i can always use more movies or tv shows to watch in between doing things but yeah, um always. recently this, this manga called chainsaw man just started updating again part two is finally out i think i've talked to you about it or maybe someone else or yeah, yeah. everyone because i fucking love this manga i cannot stop thinking or like appreciating this manga chainsaw man if anyone listening to it hasn't read it i would say definitely check it out it's kind of like a crazy b-movie this guy who like deals with devils and fights with devils it's very anime but i fucking love it and i'm so excited for part two which just came out and the anime that's coming out in the fall that i might want to do videos just talking about him because man I don't know. It feels like you come across a property and then it just like hooks you. Like everything about it, you just, it just gels with you just perfectly. And you're like, I think this is going to be my new obsession for like a year. And I'm going to talk to everyone about it and work its way into most of my conversations because I love it this much. And that's how I've been feeling about this property. So I'm super excited that it's starting to update again. I haven't read it at all. I knew the anime was coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only, the only thing that I've heard though with the anime is that like they're being like super secretive and kind of like mm, like i mean it's coming out about it and i'm like that's kind of worrying yeah but i know that they said it's going to be uncensored mm-hmm. which is uh not which is unusual for anime they don't usually do that yeah no it it definitely should not be censored a lot of the plot lines and the stories involve just gore and viscera because the main yeah. power system of the world in this property is taxed with devils which with a guy being a chainsaw man devil and his weapon is chainsaw can't really get a clean yeah. cut really yeah you can't really get a clean cut with a chainsaw you know that that's a rip and tear kind of weapon yeah <laughs> i mean i'm interested i'll definitely have you you recommend it so i'll definitely try to like catch up with the book with the manga and yeah definitely I, I know the art's dope that's what i've mostly seen is just people talking about the art and i've seen some cosplays mm-hmm. yeah but i haven't read any of it i you know what's funny before we even started this podcast i, I attempted to make a video essay about first art of chainsaw man i never Never released it or actually did anything with it i just kind of wanted to try that style out and so like i deeply analyzed like the entire first volume and like the amount of meaning or themes you can pull from just the first volume is quite a lot and as soon as part two started coming out two days ago i think it hit one million views on jump plus in like eight hours mm. the hype for this part two was extremely real 
the high the anime adaptation is going to be like crazy i won't be surprised if everyone's going to be sick of hearing about chainsaw man in a few months because how much people are going to probably lose their shit if it's a good adaptation you know and i mean me included <laughs> it'll be that should be dope i'm like i'm tired of hearing people talk about what jojo freaking attack on titan when it comes oh. out <laughs> i thought you were going to say jojo's bizarre adventure <laughs> No, what? Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is great. <laughs> yeah, I watch it. Go watch Jojo. That mean? <laughs> watch Jojo. Everything's a Jojo reference, yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So that's, I think that's enough of me just fangirling over Chainsaw Man. And I'm probably going to keep doing that over the course of those next few months. Like I said, I might just make videos so I have a place to like unleash those, like, hey. those feelings. That's fine. <laughs> now, on to the Jojo references. And. RRR. I think Rise Revolt. I don't remember what the other word was. Well, it was Rise and Revolt, or it was also the water, the fire. <laughs> One of the main things we're going to be talking about today is the an action movie RRR. 2020. 2022. A quick summary of this movie is it's a fictional story about two real life Indian revolutionaries. I don't know how to pronounce their names correctly, but I'm going to try. Aluri Sitarama Raju and Koramara Behim, and their fight against the British Raj. It was set in like 1920. The plot explores the undocumented period in their lives when both revolutionaries chose to go into oblivion before they began to fight for their country. It was directed by SS Raj Muli, DVV Entertainment. And as at the time of recording this episode, you can stream it on Netflix or find it online to rent. But yeah, I don't watch many movies from India. Pretty much one of my like, I don't know, how would you say like gaps in yeah, gaps in like film watching, film knowledge. Yeah, no, that that this is this is probably I think I've watched a Bollywood movie. This is a Tollywood movie, which mm-hmm. is a distinct of India with a very distinct language. Yeah. If you want real quick, if you watch it on Netflix, it will be in Hindi, which is a dub of the original language. So it's not even the original, it's not even in the original language when you watch it on Yeah, Netflix. the original language is you uh, said it was Telugi. I think it's yeah, something like that. Yeah. For my Indian friends, sorry. I I, I don't know. To pronounce words properly i'm not yeah unfortunately that's i'll, I'll try <laughs> don't shame me on this if you hear this episode <laughs> yeah uh what's it called so i don't typically watch these movies the only reason i watch this one specifically is because i, I follow a lot of film youtubers yep. right like patrick h willems and people like that where they're like oh watch rrr <laughs> it's great it's the best movie of the year and i'm like I doubt it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And then I watch it, and for me personally, uh-huh. it's the best movie of the year. <laughs> Dude, I, I also found out about this movie from YouTubers that I follow. I think, you know, Corridor Digital did a, a little bit of it when they were talking about the CGI. Well, yeah, they did, they did an episode, yep. I think, what was it, Team Four Star might have done it, or I might be thinking of a different group. But I watched it and thought this was a hilariously fun movie to watch. But I think maybe the appropriate word is kind of cheesy in the, the best way possible. I, I don't agree with that <laughs> because I think it's inherent. Like it's, I don't know. Like Sometimes when I think cheesy, I think ne- I think negative connotation. I, I think I want to use the word cheesy in a positive context like okay for me i'm not the biggest for me i think the word genuine works really well I because, mean, like, yeah, I I feel maybe you're right. Uh, genuine like uh, attempt like, at this. There's like a level of of uh, it's not real. It's not realism. Sincerity. It's like there's like a genuine emotion to it. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think maybe the word I'm looking for is sincerity. But it's not like I didn't enjoy this movie. This movie was a lot of fun. It was great. It's just first of all, I'm not a big fan of action movies. They're 
on the lower end of genre tiers that I really enjoy. But, you know, going into this with without like knowledge about it, I still really enjoyed the movie. It was really entertaining. Like I talked about it with other people being like, did you see RRR? What a fun movie you should check out, you know? I mean, man, I don't know. Uh, like I've tried like talking to people about it. And I think like that's majority of the people that I recommend it to have a similar reaction that you do where it's like, it's just really fun. And I was like, oh, but it's so much more than that to me. There is, there's a lot about this movie that's really interesting. And like, I'm excited to discuss it. But, you know, that is just my initial impression of the movie and going out of it, you know? Yeah, that's fine. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's like, I did enjoy it, but it's hard for me, maybe because I don't know enough about like cultural context, Indian history to see this from the lens of someone from there yeah yeah that's fair either either way i'd still recommend this movie and very much enjoyed it to start off i guess coming into this movie something that caught me off guard was just the editing style and i guess the decisions that were made about this movie um one three-hour movie yeah goes by real quick but it is a three-hour movie so it's a bit of a sit-down watch i like that there's feels like there's a natural intermission point about like halfway through the movie yes sir well i feel like i feel like there's actually like three I feel like every hour you could take like light break. Like they, I think it like literally like, and this is not like spoilers or anything like that. I think it's like literally the first hour ends with a very, like at this point, a very famous dance sequence. Mm-hmm. And then like, you could take a break after that. Mm-hmm. Then the second hour ends with like a bit, really big conflict moment. You could take a break after that. And then it's like, it's very easy to like digest if you don't want to do it in one sitting. But at the same time, I also think that entirely easy to get lost in this movie and watch all three. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched this movie in two sittings. I watched it all the way through until the halfway point and then the rest of it the next day. And I really didn't even lose anything. I was still really enjoyed both experiences watching it, you know? I just didn't have time to fully sit down and commit the three hours. But it was great. And, you know, it, it feels like they didn't actively cut anything because it feels like uh, like a lot of material was squeezed into this three hour time limit you know like everything is kind of explored no backstory was left unexplored side characters got a lot of uh, screen time minor antagonists got their moment to shine it was a lot of really cool action scenes and everyone got a little bit of interesting dialogue or, or scenes you know yeah, it's very very much one of those movies where i feel like there's not a, a second wasted in the movie mm-hmm. where i feel like there are other movies where you'll be like look there are things that were entire waste of time and like i really could not care less or you didn't flesh this out well enough and in this movie i'm like no there are some characters that are like not super important you don't need to do a ton of fleshing out but Mm -hmm. for the most part you're like i have feelings about pretty much everyone (laughs) yeah and also what a strong opening like sequence oh my god like i I watched first six minutes i think it's like the first six minutes mm -hmm. well discounting the credits which are like 10 minutes long for some whatever reason (laughs) i mean again just a different style of movie experience right (laughs) yeah that's very different i'm not used to like opening like it's i don't know yeah i I know that they do movies differently over there Mm -hmm. so but i'm watching it and the first the opening sequence i literally stopped and my wife walked in and i was like okay i'm restarting this she's like but you already started i like, no, you need to watch this opening sequence and then tell me whether or not you're interested in watching it for the rest of the movie yeah no i will say i really respect that they do not hold back in showing the unpleasantness the horrors of colonial era oppression you know like yeah. colonists suck the british monarchy did a lot of fucked up shit and made things kind of a living hell for a lot of people yeah you know the rest of the 
this movie kind of dips ups and downs a bit with their, uh, I guess, I don't know, depiction of the British monarchy. Because it's not like it's pro-British monarchy. It's very anti-British monarchy from the very beginning. But it's kind of interesting that they made one of the main characters part of the police force, you know? Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was, okay, so I think this is like one of the few ones I'm not going to try to spoil like at all. Mm -hmm. uh, Because people should really watch the movie. Spoiler warning anyways, because it's going to be a little hard not to dip into spoiler territory. Yeah, but the the opening sequence they have there's two opening sequences for our main characters and the to follow up the first scene where there's like some real heinous like colonial undertones to it with the character who is a cop working for the British Empire. A cop that is is so awesome and badass in, like, his sequences and fight scenes. Man, talk about, like, I don't know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Load is kind of vibes, you know? The way he's just kind of flying and floating around the environments and just gracefully but, like, mystically launching attacks at people and stuff. It, it's definitely, like, the first, his scene is, like, very intense. The first, the, the opening for both of the main characters is very intense mm-hmm. for very different reasons it's very difficult for raju is the first one you get introduced to to be like yeah the british colonial people suck and then immediately be like one of our heroes works for the police and is actively like actively part of that for the, over half the movie mm-hmm. where it's like oh i don't know how to feel about you this stuff is crazy and awesome and i love it but yeah. at the same time i shouldn't like you and you're making me fight that every second. <laughs> yeah, without speaking too much of the actual people they were based off, right? I don't know if it was loosely based off, very accurate, or, you know, it's a movie from a different culture, so I don't know. But yeah, going into it, Raji was really cool. I was like, well, with my American perspective, I don't really like the police, you know, as an institution. Yeah, or- currently, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to root for this police officer who very much seems like he's going to be kind of an antagonist more so than the protagonist but hey as the movie went on like they made a lot of effort to really make him appealing to the viewer yeah but then so we have his action sequence which is intense and crazy and super well choreographed it's very well filmed mm-hmm. and then they immediately follow that up with the introduction of our second main character which is they referred to him as Akhtar for like a good bit of the movie um, I think his name is Behim or Behim Behim is how I remember it so yeah so he, he's our second main character and he's dude fights a tiger there you go that's not a spoiler you no. should know going into this movie a guy fights a tiger uh if that does not sell you on at least watching the first like half hour uh, oh <laughs> wait he fights a tiger barehanded yeah so if that doesn't sell you i don't know what to tell you <laughs> <laughs> like so the, it's crazy so one of the again the thing that sold me very early on in this movie was very much there is a grandiose nature to these characters that feels in line with like a classic superman or like a greek hero or like myths and legends more so than like what i've typically seen from whenever like i've seen clips of like Bollywood. Hollywood films or I watch clips from like other foreign uh, countries I'd be like this looks really cheesy like it doesn't feel like these moments work despite how like huge and big and actiony they are mm-hmm. but with these guys it felt like no they're like just these like pillars these larger than life figures that I can totally believe doing these actions. Yeah, they feel like cultural folk heroes. Yeah, they're like a Paul Bunyan or a Mark Henry. Yeah, except I guess based off, or loosely based off real people. I don't think yeah. Paul Bunyan actually existed. I don't know, the giant guy with an axe and a blue bull sounds kind of... 
I think pretty believable. Mm, yeah, you're right. I think I was wrong about that. They definitely existed. You yeah, know? I'm like, like, well, who's that one guy that's totally fake? Uh, the guy who fight at the Alamo? That thing's not real. <laughs> oh, the Lone Ranger? <laughs> no, uh, no, what's the, the guy who wears a raccoon hat? Yeah, Davy Crockett, but also... There you go, that guy's fake. The Lone, Ran- <laughs> the la- the Lone Ranger, probably... Uh, Based off of an even more badass real life person named Bass Reeves. Oh yeah, that's a, oh man. <laughs> if only they made like unless uh, if only the Lone Ranger movies were that cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a shame what you could uh, do with a cool folk hero like Bass Reeves. A really good potential for an interesting movie, but I guess I'll just settle for the inspiration in the Watchmen adaptation from 2020, 2020 on HBO. Which yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, so yeah, going back to this, like they feel like they they just feel like they're like larger than life i'm just like in awe and like they they make it where they you know they're they're shirtless like for a good bit and i'm like these these are like greek statues yeah and gods and like obviously they're they're indian so i'm sure they're like indian god <laughs> <laughs> no man these these men in this movie are cut they are like massively oh cut. God. like henry cavill talk about competition man <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, man, I want to watch more movies with these guys in it. I don't know if it's just like the director's style or it's just like a style in general from this from this area. But like, hey, they highlight those moments. It, you've watched? Have you watched Predator? I have, yeah. You know the meme where the well, I, now it's a meme, but the moment where Arnold Schwarzenegger and the one guy are like, "You son of a bitch!" and they like grab each yeah. other's arms and they're like, flex. "Yeah, you see the the veins from their forearms just yeah. poke out." Yeah, that's just the entire movie. Yeah. That, and like, and I say that like that sounds cheesy and. You said the word cheesy before but it's like it's done with such sincerity for me yeah like you said like it feels like earned and like yeah it's it's just feels earnest and genuine right like i don't fault this movie at all for being what it is it's a great movie there are some things that i thought were pretty interesting in watching this with my perspective like camera techniques and things they did differently like i noticed there was a lot of interesting use of slow motion instead of showing like slow motion action scenes It was more like slow motion reaction scenes, but like focuses on their faces kind of like shocked or awed, you know, moments yeah. of like impact where slow motion would occur. Yeah, there were some traditional uses of slow motion to emphasize action scenes. And then there were like other ones where I'm like, oh, look at that. Another slow motion scene, huh? All right, cool. Yeah, it's, it was very interesting. I talked about this with some friends where I was like, the reason that I, one of the reasons that I really gravitate towards this movie is because it comes across, it does so many things that you don't see in live action, mm-hmm. right? That you can see in like animation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the way that they do storytelling, that's like, oh, you could never do this. And I was like, no, like the way that they tell stories, like for example, like I've had people say that. That feels like a live action anime to them and i was like yes like it, you should feel that vibe because the way that the east has traditionally told stories is a lot more like over the top mm-hmm. and exaggerated but also like they spend way more time like putting in moments between time yeah if that makes yeah. sense right like they, they 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 stick with beat that we typically mm-hmm. don't right like we we will like we'll like sit with something right but and i'll go to the uh, the best example that i can give in terms of like someone over here that does it is like sam raimi 
right when when goblin's about to get impaled by the glider he kind of takes like a moment out mm-hmm. of time to go oh shit and then he gets impaled like mid and like it's like he freezes the yeah. impalement so that he can have his reaction and then he finishes getting impaled despite the timeline not matching up we don't do that super often here in the western style mm-hmm. of filmmaking so to see it more in other in like over there like in like yeah. movies like this or movies that are like willing to be like no like sometimes you take this beat even if it doesn't feel like it's yeah. necessary because it just tells the emotion like shoot there's like a freaking like 20 minute montage of them being bros yeah in which this movie. i was like when that scene happened i was or that 20 minute part of the movie where there's just being the best of friends i'm like this is really wholesome and like sweet and i wonder if this is just leading up to the betrayal that you know is coming because they obviously don't know who each other is and that revelation is going to be probably a major plot point of this movie and turns out it was yeah i mean like in that scene you know just read the lyrics to the song and so they're like these best friends that are like closer than ever they they became instant like bonded to for life and then they like they don't know that they're each other's mortal yeah. enemies and i was like oh my god the conflict in this movie <laughs> no, they, never ends dude, they pull- even when you think there's so much joy to be had and like so much genuine emotion it's like but remember in like any minute now this is gonna hit the fan they do a lot of themes in this movie of just like betrayal and love and it feels like this whole movie is just it's like a little bit of everything gets to be explored in this one you know like we got love and betrayal and yeah. action and sadness and drama just everything's there for all audiences you know yeah i I was very much like they and and the thing is like i don't think that any of them really falter i don't think that there's a part of it where i'm like oh man like this plot was really bad i i think for the most part everything lands i think like i'll say like there that have i have issues when it comes to like Mm -hmm. the third act like but for the most part like the relationships work they're written very well um the action i was i was talking to someone recommending this movie and they were really worried about it being a foreign language film which heads up to people gonna watch it there's a lot of english in this movie like there's a ton of it uh you know yeah unsurprisingly when you have a movie that features prominently the british empire and people who don't speak the language of the country they're trying to oppress you're probably gonna have a lot of english you know no there's plenty of foreign films that feature english characters that just don't yeah. speak English. oh yeah true but this movie unsurprisingly does feature a lot of english you know this one, it does it's so like i feel like when people are like i don't want to watch a foreign film read a bunch of subtitles like first off very sparse in dialogue in the grand scheme of things for a three-hour film they do a lot of things just like based off of like mo- emotion and reaction and mm-hmm. music and pure just like yeah. not talking but then there's also a good amount of english and then you, you gotta yeah. read once in a while like who cares it's like two inches <laughs> deal with it man get over it just just read subtitles it's not that big of a deal you know some people actually you need to pause, pause it. it's yeah, fine <laughs> some people actually watch movies all the time with subtitles even if it is in english because you know not everyone has the best auditory processing like other people you know yeah it's just a thing just deal with it and um <laughs> but there i do have some like things I wasn't super into this movie, like uh, mostly in the third part, but something that kind of took me out of the movie, not in a negative way, just kind of in like a, oh, uh, I kind of got taken out of it a little bit when they initiated the dance sequence. In the party? Yeah, at the party. It wasn't bad. It was great. I love the song. I love the dancing. I think it just hit me a little bit with the kind of like we were talking a 
cheesy but genuine sincerity feeling you know raj goes up and he starts like drumming that plates and the only black character that's in the movie starts like nodding along with his like excitement of this man playing this drum set and then like the all the characters look at him and a dance sequence starts breaking off and i'm like i love this it is that feeling of cheesy sincerity and then i see them start to dance and it just feels very clearly like, oh, so that's where they cut the CGI when you could just see their head and the other dancer. Are you talking about like how they did the like the, the rotoscoping that they did? I think or like they sped up. The... Yeah, they just put their heads, someone else's body, and they just let them dance. Was that how they did it? I don't want to say it is because I'm not a professional expert on it, but it does remind me of some things that I've seen before in other uh, movies and stuff. Because I just kept looking at like an imaginary line my brain kept perceiving right around the neck area where the body okay. would move a certain way and it'd be just like a frame that was just too slow to catch up so it'd be like this quick movement of like body turns right a frame of delay head turns right body turns left slight frame of delay bo- head turns left like they did some interesting like framing with that yeah in general because i want to say that the i know corridor mm-hmm. you watch the corridor crew episode they talk about the dance sequence yeah uh, but i think they go into how that was done and i should have looked into it because i like that that was the only time where i was like yo what the heck like why are they moving that way it's like clearly yeah. not like natural in a sense but like yeah it's like they sped up the footage for them specifically and everybody in the background is at a normal speed so it's like really exaggerated but like at the same time it, it wasn't even the entire sequence because there were moments where you could clearly tell it was them kind of like they're jumping in dancing somewhat and then it would pan out to a shot of them with everyone dancing behind or around them and you'd be like this is the moment where they rotoscoped yeah. or altered the dancing to fit something or better enhance the scene oh yeah for i mean like for me like there so for me it was like a little off-putting but i think that and it's hard it, it, it doesn't happen often but when there are certain movies when like when i'm when actually like genuinely catches me in the moment where you can have like some wonky cg or like visual effect and be like yeah no like i totally get that but like the the emotion or the Mm -hmm. moment sells it enough where it's like yeah like you know if i watched a movie from 50 years ago their visual effects aren't gonna be as good (laughs) yeah and i'm just gonna have to like deal with it but they did a good job and so therefore i'm gonna like let that slide yeah while there are other times where like you know we're gonna talk about another movie where i would talk about (laughs) like the visual effect and how that doesn't sell me in the fucking in the the slightest oh yeah right yeah yeah (laughs) Um, Uh, and like you you can no, no matter no matter no matter uh, no amount of great special effect or vfx will sell me on a moment if they don't work but a lack of those things don't necessarily make for a bad moment yeah now there will be times where it's like if it's an average moment where it's like nothing interesting or nothing of consequences happening and it's like yo like it's you know raju looks super fake that background is not actually there mm-hmm. and all they're doing is talking then it's gonna take me out for a moment yeah but if it's like Raju is jumping off of a building and the background is clearly fake. And I'm like, yeah, but like, that's clearly not what I'm supposed to be looking at right now. Oh yeah, for sure. And this dance sequence, it didn't like, you know, upset me or it wasn't like, God, now I hate this movie more. I was just like, this is a fun sequence. I can see some like, you know, not so great CGI work, but the scene overall is this like lively, exciting sequence of like dance and joy and happiness and like like uh just efforts and uh sincerity that i'm just like i'm okay with it still 
you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it, my thing with that sequence too is it's really good, not only because it starts with a, a specific cost, uh, conflict, mm-hmm. right? And you get to be swept up in the moment of like just like this pure sequence of like dedication. And I'm like, this is so cool. But then also they find a way to like resolve that conflict and insert the film's main conflict Mm -hmm. as well as the relationship between the two main characters where it's like this is so engaging (laughs) on a storytelling perspective and all they're doing is having like this little dance off (laughs) yeah i i think uh it was a cute and wholesome plot line where um just his name brahim brahim was really into jenny and had this interest in jenny but ultimately if there was a thing to be cut i wouldn't like i wouldn't be like oh oh no oh well you know like it's central to the idea of the dance sequence but like i could take it or leave it with the plot line with jenny you know yeah i think it doesn't hurt it as as much yeah Um, especially because they do drop it like halfway through the film yeah yeah well he can't he can't be with her it's you know it's just never gonna work out you know (laughs) yeah it literally was like they have the seat they have the sequence Mm mm-hmm they have some other scenes together and then they're like all right cool so this is not important to the rest of the movie she'll be back but like it's not like vital to literally anything plot plot related yeah there's just two uh, from two different worlds it can never work <laughs> i mean they end up together so it's whatever oh spoiler yeah um <laughs> But, you know, um, I guess just wrap this up or put it near an ending conclusion. I will say that latter half of this movie kind of lost me a bit. Like my interest started to wane somewhat. Yeah, I it's, I watched this in two settings, like I said before, and I would say that the first half, my first sitting was way more enjoyable than the second half, which wasn't bad, but it did lose my interest quite a bit. Yeah, there's a very so I was I, when I was talking about it with someone and at no point is this going to I'm going to say that this isn't like a big deterrent for the film, but it's literally like they set up this really good and very interesting conflict that goes on up until I think at least the, the the two hour mark right mm-hmm. and they set up that conflict between the the main characters and as soon as that conflict is resolved the rest of the movie is like we have to tie up loose ends and that's just not necessary like like the main villain of this movie while like i hated the guy um mm-hmm. he didn't present an interesting story he just presented an easily hateable villain yeah both uh minor villain and the major villain you know the the minor villain being just the like oppressive smaller generals or officers and the major villain being yeah. the one who is seeking to stamp out this folk hero yeah so like who who were you saying was the major one he's the man who was like you sir are you wasting that british metal on this person yeah yeah, that guy the white do you know how much this costs a pound sterling or something you know yeah i hated that guy (laughs) yeah and then (laughs) but he's not interesting in terms of a conflict as the you know beam and raj you have Mm -hmm. yeah right that conflict was interesting and the end of their conflict was pretty much you know i was like at the two hour mark and after that it's like yeah you get like the cool like you know uh there's an uncle i I refer to it as uncle iroh moment (laughs) for one of the characters and but it's they do some cool action you know we wrap up the plot line you finish up the story and it's like yeah no like it had to happen because otherwise it would be an incomplete film mm-hmm. but I, I was i very much with a three-hour movie length it, like okay so when batman came out <laughs> right yeah yeah 
people were like, oh, the third act, it just dragged too long. It didn't serve any purpose. And I was like, no, that served so much purpose. It tied up all of the amazing plot threads and like ended on this like beautiful message mm-hmm. in the Batman is great. And I love it. <laughs> but then this one, I was like, and the last act was like, we finished the movie. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's the it. end of the movie. Well, okay. We finished the movie and then have another song dance sequence at the very end. Oh, that was my yeah. You know, that's, that's like a traditional, like, you know, like thing that they do. Yeah, I, I didn't hate it. It was just, it's just how the movie ended. And I, as... I would have, if, if I was in theaters, like, unfortunately, like, I, I'm sure this is like disrespectful to the people who love these films. But had I been in theaters, and I knew that the end of the movie was just a dance sequence with like nothing important. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, "All right, cool, we can leave." Yeah, that's true. I <laughs> I feel it's which not- is why they sprinkled in important scenes in it. <laughs> yeah, I will say, even though I did feel like the ending did drag on just a little bit, I did very much enjoy seeing Raju become a Rambo-like, you know, folk hero with yeah. like his long bow and the long hair and like just his action sequences near the end. Great, yeah. great stuff, man. What a interesting and fun way to end your action movie with an, another action sequences you know or more action yeah. sequences i will say this too the i was talking with someone and like wrap up my thoughts on this film about like doing things that you usually don't see in other get done in other films uh very very briefly um i was talking to someone the other day and i was like you know what there are not enough of there are not enough fights on hills. Yeah. What I mean by that mm-hmm. is that clearly it's very difficult to have a fight on a hill. People are going to slip and slide and you don't want anybody to get hurt. And this movie, I think like in the very middle of it, there's a fight and the character has to fight a couple characters on a hill. And I was like, I'm happy. This makes me happy. Seeing this <laughs> character like slide down a hill and like knock people into trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> it's- I was like, you don't get this very often. Do this shit we can it takes a lot more effort but it's worth it yeah it's a small thing and it wasn't even like a big action sequence on a hill it was just like you we don't get to see that right Uh whenever there's an action sequence on a hill it's like i have the high ground (laughs) fight scene over (laughs) and that's it yeah Um, i i love this movie's choice of environmental action scenes it's refreshing from like a western action movie perspective because it almost feels like Western movies, in terms of action, Western action movies are kind of like held back by trying to juggle the line of like realistic action and then at the same time over exaggerated fun fantasy action. Like, you know, like the gun fu, right? Where it's like mixing. Or the John Wick, like how they invented the, the, Kung, the, the fight sequences for John Wick. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like to a certain extent, you could see it being realistic. You can see someone move with this gun and like um, go into a, an environment and take people out using their environment, hiding behind pillars, counting their bullets, taking people out, people dropping with the gun being shot at them and or the bullets flying through the air and hitting them. And then you have at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, it's also a fantasy because John Wick isn't real. Someone normally wouldn't do this. You know, like it's, this is level of disbelief that you kind of just have to suspend and it's great but that all that being said you don't really get things like in this movie where people are on a hill you know you have things flying and just this exaggerated sense of action that's just so entertaining to watch you know like yeah so a big reason that i very much enjoy this movie and it might be something that's very commonplace in film 
films outside of the West, right, is kung fu action movies of uh, China and Japan that do like more exaggerated stuff. I know India mm-hmm. is popular for their like super over the top stuff, but oh yeah, a, a lot of the times again we get when that gets imported over here, it's kind of like cheesy ish, right? And this one felt very much mm-hmm. like this work. Yeah. It's the argument that I've had when it comes to, and I'll bring this back to like uh, an early thing we talked about uh, when a, when people are like, okay, this concept doesn't work in live action right it doesn't look good and like for example they're like miss marvel's stretchy big hands don't look good in real life like it doesn't look it doesn't look good on film (laughs) and i was like does it not look good on film or have we not figured it out either that or doesn't even matter like i would be perfectly fine seeing them try yeah like there there's sometimes when it's like you say it doesn't look good and you say that it can't happen but if you do it and i like it then it doesn't matter. And then that's like what, what's happening with One Piece. Mm-hmm. They're making the One Piece uh, live action. And we have no idea how they're going to do Luffy's mm-hmm. powers. But I'm like, look, just, just come at it from like a genuine sense of fun. And I'm pretty sure I'll be perfectly okay with it. Yeah. I mean, there is an unfortunate track record of Netflix live action adaptations yes. that they don't do so well. But just like every other adaptation, yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. And Hope for the best. You know, you like you just need the right creative team behind it. Mm-hmm. And this movie had that. This movie had a creative team that was willing to be like, look, is it super ridiculous to have two men on each other's shoulders jump off of a guard tower, dual wielding long rifle? Yes. Are we going to do it anyway? Yeah, (laughs) I loved it. Just like, is it ridiculous to see a siege attack using a truck with a bunch of cage wild animals as a man jumps out with them all carrying torches of fire? Yes. Do I love it and wanted to rewatch that scene at least twice? You better believe I did. And then the other (laughs) character comes in with a flaming chariot and then has and is like so terrifying that he scares off a tiger. It's dope. (laughs) Like the the movie works. Yeah. Like it does so many things that typically would be like, but you can't make that work. It doesn't work in live action. It's too crazy. And I'm like, you just haven't, you haven't figured it out yet. Just keep trying. It's it's the only time that I'll ever be like, I hate. Yeah. Like it's, it's very much like the, the, one time that i'll go against my like just animate it guys just do it animated if you do it animated it works regardless but like there's some like you know live action is there and it will be always be the here and we can do we can keep pushing that boundary and i would love to see what else we can get from it now i did go and again definitely finishing this off i did go back and watch i think the last two movies so this guy that the, the this uh team made um was not a, as big mm-hmm. a fan was not uh, it was definitely oh, really? f- cl- way closer to like what i would assume is typical indian blockbuster because like stylistically i was like yeah this uh-huh. does not work the same way rr does uh, okay we know the names of those movies <sighs> uh, indian titles that i would butcher <laughs> in a second give me a second okay <laughs> all right cool Ooh, i set you up. i set you up for a tough answer <laughs> it's, it's like a pronunciation thing for me um we're gonna we're gonna butcher this in english <laughs> okay so bau bali uh, yeah it's bau mm-hmm. bali the beginning and then to mm-hmm. the conclusion and they do some like crazy stuff okay cool and very over the top there's definitely some moments that are similar to this where it's like this character picks up this mon- stone monument and walks it over to a waterfall and then starts a dance sequence and i'm like this for some reason <laughs> doesn't work the way that it does in this other movie yeah and yeah. so I'm, uh, but like maybe i'm wrong and maybe like that's more 
akin to the taste of that region. And for all we know, we're like, we are liking the terrible version of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the way that our, like our taste as Western audiences aren't, they'll be like, no, the people in India are like, no, the, the movies you like are actually the bad ones over here. And the movies that we like are the good considered good over here. Cause like we have different tastes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that America uh, and its film exports have an unfair advantage because just the amounts of, of industry that is developed and exists here compared to some other places. Not that other cultures don't have their own film industries that are as big, but competition is going to be hard for, say, I don't know, a Russian movie yeah. versus like an American movie, you know? But hey, the internet makes availability of foreign films a lot easier than it used to be. So to cap this discussion off, RRR was really entertaining. It was a little cheesy for me, but cheesy in a sincere, genuine way. And I can't I would recommend this movie quite a lot to people, especially if you're going to be able to watch this with a group. It would be even a more enjoyable experience with a group of friends versus a single individual watch. Yeah, I definitely, again, I'll finish off saying I definitely recommend this movie. I think it's definitely great for people who love the craft of film. It does, it tries to do so much that we are unfamiliar with on this side of the entertainment industry that it's just interesting to see. And hopefully with this moving forward, you know, we've, we've had a good influx of like you know, Parasite, this movie, Drive My Car, like movies that are like recognized on a larger scale by Western audiences that don't fit our typical narrative structure and the way that we tell stories that like maybe mm-hmm. at one point like this will be a lot easier to like come out with a movie like this and in cultures like this that just don't tell stories the way we do. Because um, like yeah, which is a shame because there's it feels like there's so many good stories out there that I will never be aware of just because I don't have that language ability you know or like it just didn't have like a hundred percent the main reason that this movie is blowing up the way it did i'm sure there's like a really good marketing push by the people behind it that were like okay so if we get like this kind of footing in like these kinds of areas like it'll definitely blow up a lot more than like our last movie which was also like one of the biggest movies of indian history um but like Mm -hmm. there's i mean there's a part of that there's a part of that that's just like notoriety and like money and you know like you know getting an oscar type deal where it's just there's money involved why we watch these movies but like at the same time like you know at one point at some point you're going to be able to just see a movie that just didn't do well and you just randomly come across and if you're willing to look into it then hey watch yeah, it yeah. oh for sure all right so right before we go into the discussion of thor 4 love and thunder i do want to bring up something that i was reminded of when we were talking about netflix adaptations because funny enough did you ever watch the death note live action movie adaptation that came out on netflix a while yes, back of course great i'm kidding terrible. i did too and it was awful <laughs> it was terrible but and hey have you watched the japanese ones uh, I've seen one. I watched the first one. I didn't watch the second one. Yeah, and I didn't think it was bad. It just was not what I like. I thought it was. Yeah, it was fine. You know, like, yeah, but like for like an adaptation of Death Note, it was like passable compared to the, the American one. Which yeah. Was... Oh, come on, good. compared to the American one, the American <laughs> one was so. Speaking bad. of like, we're talking about like <laughs> sensibilities and like story and narrative structures and stuff like that. And the American was like, how do we how do uh, we fit this into a, like an Americanized just trope filled like nonsense? And I'm like. Don't. 
not what this that's not what this property God, is. And oh man, and talk about just wasted potential or horrible creativity when it comes to adapting something. I've said this to some people before, but I think it's a shame that there has not been a creative death note adaptation that takes the ideas from the source material and goes a different direction in it while honoring the ideas of the original. Like I I always had the idea that it'd be really cool to see an adaptation of Death Note done as an anthology series that explores what would it be like if different people yeah. got the Death Note and how they would change the world. And it doesn't have to be a you know, 50 episode thing. It could be similar to an anthology series like Love, Death and the Robots but all centered around the idea of the Death Note being picked up by different individuals. Like, uh, I don't know if I were like, obviously I've had some time to think about this, but if, for example, you choose to make it a um, anthology series, you can have like episode one. What if you give a Death Note to a middle school child and let's explore what power like that would be in the hands of someone whose brain is still developing. And it doesn't even have to be someone like, oh, this child has been bullied and tormented by these jocks or something. It could be like, oh, this student is an art student and they mistakenly picked it up thinking it was their drawing notebook. You know, let's see what that would be like, you know? But instead we get this mess of a movie where it's this, I don't know, this horrible handling of both Kira and L and other characters. And yeah, it's it's so crazy because it's like you have like there's so many things about this movie that will be like, look, I can forgive you. Yeah, because you have William Willem Dafoe as as Ryu. That's great. All right. Like the actors you have in like every role are just great actors. Yeah. Like print, like most of the, the, the cast is like really solid. Right? Yeah. Do they fit their roles? Maybe not. But if you have a good enough film around them, mm-hmm. maybe we can excuse a little bit of it, but it couldn't even do that. Where it's like Lakeith Stanfield as L doesn't work. Yeah. When you try to make him exactly like the source material. But if you're like, I'm, making a uniquely american film and changing all like not like they left it's like they they weirdly changed so much of it but left so much intact that the the fusion doesn't work and it's like at some point you just at some point you just leave just a lot of it on the floor yeah and do your own remix i think animes deserve anime and manga deserve remixes all the time like i would love to go and revisit like you know like like you said like revisit the death note concept but with like a different spin on it it's like i say that all the time i'm like oh you know like this manga is over go see what it would be like if we changed the concept just a little bit like bleach has been done it's uh speaking of manga and animes that are making comebacks bleach has been done and it's going to come up with a final art it's like yo it's done remix it see how we change that concept that con- concept so open-ended that we have so many parts of the world that we can look and into funny enough they actually do do that in manga form and the recent like uh, two years or three years with burn the witch was created by kubo also an interesting kind of like we were saying remix of the initial ideas from bleach then you had the one off or the one shots from death note like adjacent uh stories and yep. it's all there it's just come kind of like it's just like if you're gonna adapt it just try adapting it and making your own thing bring interest to this property and let people appreciate what you're making and also the original property and the whole reason i bring this up is because 
I recently saw a thing that Netflix is going to try to readapt Death Note, which oh yeah, and yeah. they're they're going to readapt yeah. Death Note. They're also doing a Yu Yu Hakusho. They're doing One Piece. Obviously, we talked about that. You know, I kind of hope if they do a good adaptation of Yu Yu Hakusho, they keep it '90s because that show is very '90s, and I really like the nostalgia of it being so 90s for one thing there's a, i don't know how much you've seen of yu yu haka show but remember that they have oh, this point where they were like yes the black videotape the videotape that if you watch it will drive the person insane or something like that and it's like yeah. it's like yeah keep it a videotape let me see videotapes again it's so nostalgic for videotapes and vhs's don't make it like a streaming channel or something you know yeah it kills the vibe there's an aesthetic to it it worked and it still works mm -hmm. as like a slice of time that like you keep like clearly revisiting the recent past like with stranger things clearly we're okay with revisiting and understanding concepts that were like 20 30 40 years ago mm -hmm. just like yeah just embrace the aesthetic yeah enjoy it <laughs> i mean 80s nostalgia is huge and 90s nostalgia is starting to pick up with fashion trends and other things if you're gonna do yu yu hawk show just keep it 90s and let people enjoy the throwback to that time you know <laughs> yeah man and then people start dressing like the character from yu yu hawk show that'd be dope yeah which also they have very 90s style and to segue into uh, Love and Thunder, talk about another movie and or property with a throwback aesthetic style to it. Yep, that definitely has that aesthetic established to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Very much as my way of discussing. So, you know, we're talking about the aesthetic real quick. Yeah. Uh, I've described it as the movie is exactly the, the type of van you expect to see the poster on mm -hmm. in every sense. Mm. It is, it looks as cool as the poster does. You think, wow, that is really dope. Then you see the guy driving it, you see how it runs, <laughs> and you see the inside, and you're like, hmm, <laughs> yeah. never mind. Well, to go into it real quick, a quick information intro for this movie. Thor 4, Love and Thunder, 2022 Marvel film. Quick summary. Thor attempts to find inner peace, but must return to action. And Makut Valkyrie, played by Tessa Thompson, Korg, played by Taika Waititi, and Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman, who is now, spoiler alert, the mighty Thor to stop Gore the God Butcher, Christian Bale, from eliminating all the gods. It's directed by Taika Waititi. It stars Chris Hemsworth. And at the time of recording this episode, it is currently in theaters and will eventually hit Disney Plus because that's where all the Marvel movies go nowadays. <laughs> but yeah, uh, all right. So we've been alluding to discussing this episode earlier in our in our conversations so like uh -huh. do you like this movie yes or no i like this movie i like this movie i liked it coming out and i still kind of like this movie it's far from perfect but i still enjoy this movie in typical franco fashion <laughs> i did not like this movie. <laughs> i knew that i knew that was coming. Uh, i mean i let you know but in, in in unusual franco fashion i'll let you handle most of the discussion in regards to this because oh. i don't want to just like that's not uh, look i get it my character trait is anthony franco hate marvel films <laughs> and yeah yeah look i don't i was trying to tell someone this the other day mm -hmm. i like someone someone was like oh if you didn't like that movie you just hate joy and i was like <laughs> first off rrr is a movie i love joy yeah Se second off not that i hate joy it's i hate this movie <laughs> and and uh, uh let me just add that to my running tally of marvel movies franco hates from phase four 
<laughs> what is that? Uh, what is that? Uh, full full card of just hates them? No, it's not. That's, that's actually not true at all. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I nearly have bingo on this. Almost have that bingo. All I'm waiting for is uh, the next Black Panther movie coming out later this year. We'll we'll see if that completes my bingo. Oh my god, it will. <laughs> I, I've already heard. No, no I've, you know what? If Namor and the very clearly Aztec Atlanteans are mm-hmm. as cool as they look, then I'll be happy. Oh um, man, don't let me down. Don't let me down. I want a really cool depiction of Aztec culture and movies please don't let me down on that i'm look I'll, I'll get it i would get into that rant a little <laughs> later too but uh, i'm not gonna do that but look it's i don't i don't hate joy i i very much enjoy movies mm-hmm. i always tell people that like it's not that i don't like movies it's that the movies that you like are garbage <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy them and i won't say that you can't enjoy them <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay so like i i like this movie it's yeah. not i i know i have the track record of liking most marvel movies but like i mean i just i don't think they're all bad but there are some that are just really not good movies even if there are marvel movies like i wasn't a big fan of the eternals i was not a big fan of doctor strange and the multiverse of madness spider-man it was it was fine i i thought it was had some good moments i don't think the multiverse is being explored as well as it could be especially when you compare it to another amazing movie that came out this year everything and everywhere all at once that handled multiverse exploration incredibly well compared to Marvel movies. It just feels like before we completely start talking about this movie in spoiler territory, Marvel Phase 4, when we were coming into this after the Infinity War saga, after Thanos died, after they brought everyone back from the snap or the blip, whatever you want to call it, right? It was this feeling of like, oh man, where are the Marvel movies going to go now? Are they going to get really cool and experimental? Are they going to change things up? What is going to come from this like next era and I think at this point, for me personally, it's like, oh, a lot of the same. Not really that much exploration of interesting ideas. Just a lot of samey movies with samey action, humor, and unaveraged plot lines, you know? And that might be a little hard, but I want these movies to be on the caliber of writing that some of the comics are. I think there's a lot of wasted potential in adapting these movies for uh, what feels like a general audience that just appeals to everything and does nothing of substance with the material it's drawing inspiration from. And specifically in this movie, as much as I did enjoy a lot of it, I don't know if Gore was even the right villain to choose for this movie because he works so well as a multi-story villain with a lot of interesting ideas and complexity to it that was kind of reduced to just a meh of an antagonist and kind of wasted Christian's build potential as a prominent villain in this franchise. Yeah, so to talk on the phase four bit a little bit, I, I've, I've I've seen a lot of people give the, the, the reasoning that, hey, look, phase four is like phase one in the sense that we're rebuilding, we're restarting a thing that's a new saga. We got to wait, you know, a couple movies before we get there. But my thing with so far with Phase 4 is that, like, it feels listless, like, unfocused. Mm-hmm. The idea that we are moving towards something is there. It's like, fine, cool, we'll get to, you know, we'll meet Kang in Quantumania or whatever. Uh, we'll see, you know, this character, that character, you know, we'll see Clea or whatever in another movie. I'm sure, you know, they'll use the Miss Marvel and, and the Marvels, you know, we're we're clearly building a universe here mm-hmm. that's going to keep on moving, but it doesn't feel like any of it right now is worth it. None of the juice is worth this. Yeah. Week. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and it doesn't seem like they're using every tool in their belt to do it. It feels like they haven't let go of the formula, despite the fact that they do have people like Taika Waititi. They do have people like Chloe Zhao. They do have people like James Gunn and, and like Sam Raimi. We have our tour level filmmakers that I feel like aren't actually giving products that you would expect from them it feels like they're being handicapped by the marvel studio uh system and i know that was an initial complaint about the some of the movies before the infinity saga ended like Edgar Wright's departure from atman over creative differences but i mean what why not just experiment with this arrow it isn't like we are in the initial stages of marvel movies where we haven't had a series of entertaining marvel movies before we're in like like a lot of movies that have come out since so we have way too much stuff to compare it to and yeah and now now we have tv shows and movies and very entertaining mixing of different actors coming into different properties from those movies and tv shows why not change it up and instead you just get semi-decent adaptation of something and more and more just set up for the next thing. People complain quite heavily of Age of Ultron having just a lot of setup in the initial plots of that movie. And I would say Marvel Phase 4 is mainly doing that with every single property now, you know? Yeah, it doesn't feel like any of it warrants its existence. Yeah. Right? I think, like, people will be like, oh, but, like, I love Spider-Man No Way Home. And one, I'll disagree with you. Um, <laughs> but two, like, to me, it's like, yeah, but so? <laughs> like, it, like what, is it, what does it mean in the grander scheme of things? Oh, but, you know, Secret Wars, and that means we can have anybody come back and it's like but does that warrant the story that we had yeah does that finish does that finish the first two movies in like a in like a cohesive interesting way or is it just more of the marvel saying you know yeah and now if those characters you love or those storylines get adapted what's the chance of it being what it could be like specifically to go to this movie right yeah thor the god butcher storyline in the comics is awesome i love the idea of a character being disillusioned by gods in the marvel universe and seeking to destroy all of them and a big plot point from the comics is that thor realizes that gore's right gods aren't worthy they're not worthy of their status and it creates this internal like conflict with him right and that's super interesting in this movie, it's not what they're going for. I get it. Like, okay, after my initial ideas of this movie were gone, like, I was like, okay, this movie is clearly going for something, going for a contained story in like an hour and 30 so minutes. It's going to be about the ideas of like love and, you know, relationships. And I get all of that. And it's just kind of like, if only you could change certain things. And it's still entertaining to me. But yeah, it's just even accepting that this isn't going to be what I thought it could be or should be. It still feels like they could have been just ever so slightly more. Yeah. So I was talking to someone uh, when I had the day after I had watched this film and I was like, when I walked into the movie, mm-hmm. right, because I had already heard some of the uh, initial stuff. I was like, look, people always say I have high expectations of these films or like they're like, oh, don't expect a lot of things. And I'm like, look, I'm not expecting anything from this film walking into it and i'm not saying that because i'm not expecting it to be good or like i'm expecting it to be terrible or whatever it's more what i have been promised has been an 80s movies poster 
and Taika Waititi as director. And with those two things, I can look back and be like, okay, Taika Waititi, what we do in the shadows, mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit. I don't like Thor Ragnarok, but like for entirely different reasons. Um, but like Thor Ragnarok, like I can expect a certain level of craft from Taika Waititi as a, as a film director. And that's all I expected from this film. Mm-hmm. And I walked into it and I started watching it and I was like, I didn't even get that. And I was telling someone, I was like, look, I want my discussion about this to not come across the fact that I hate this movie because I'm mad at it. <laughs> I dislike this movie because I'm disappointed in it. I yeah. I think that yeah like you said gore is a character that presents and is so many different things in his run that i don't need it to be exactly like that but i need you to like use it yeah (laughs) for sure (laughs) actually care about what this story means and like what you can do with it and i know taika watiti can do that i know taika watiti can has the the emotional capability in his films to explore something like a man in grief and anger lashing out at the at the authorities above mm-hmm. and it feeling like this pointless battle and one, one of the people having to deal with like the realization that that may be right mm-hmm. and then on top of it you're also like one like regardless if you find it funny or not if you find this hilarious that's fine i don't but if comedy is subjective so obviously like i can like it and you can't and that's but, like taking away from that even great comedy films understand that you can still have a good plot with them or good stories and this movie is like hey we're also going to throw in mighty thor and we're gonna entirely waste the emotional weight of that as well and it's not again you can find it hilarious that's fine it can be funny at times but i also want the story to back it up i want that story to be interesting and captivating Mm -hmm. the way that i know it can be even if you don't follow the 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 comic because people are like you're a comic purist you want gore to have tentacle head a tentacle head and look like Voldemort. (laughs) and i'm like i don't care if 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 gore looks like that if I get scenes like I like the only scene that I will be like Gore really shines is the scene where he's like Pennywise talking to the kids. Oh really? See for me the the scene that he absolutely shines is the entire opening of the movie. Oh he's really good there too. Yeah. I actually didn't like that scene with Pennywise like performance too much. I did like Gore but for me, that wasn't my favorite scene. I actually didn't like it all too much. I mostly liked it because I kind of at that point had resigned the movie to being like 80s kids movie that's not good. And they were like, Gore has a puppet head and he's scaring children. Oh. And I'm like, traumatize them, please. <laughs> yeah. it. No, it was funny and entertaining. But as, as a moment for the character, I felt a little like. Oh, yeah, no, it felt like it's cheap. Ultimately. Yeah. Um, I, like, you know, like if I think they've come out and said that, like, their kids were heavily involved and in how they did they, they produced it and they were like it's for my children yeah which is great i love that yeah. yeah but you can have introspective themes and explorations and also be fun for kids yeah it can be i've seen it <laughs> i don't like for ragnarok i think that movie does a lot more of that stuff than this one does <laughs> This movie, I feel like, is, like, really indicative of pretty much everything we've been talking about with Phase 4, where it's, like, it's a movie that I feel like is just, like, the Marvel formula to a T, but, like, the the modern Marvel formula. Like, there was a point where the modern the Marvel formula was, like, if there's a pre-Guardians Marvel formula and then a post-Guardians Marvel formula. Oh, talk about Guardians influencing just movie trailers and other movie productions for, like 
years and then they dialed it back a little bit yeah and then they so like this movie was very much like the post guardians marvel formula mm-hmm. where it's like they they knew the humor worked they knew the designs and like costuming and like lighting and like effects all those things like were like working and they were like let's do it for thor which is why i don't like ragnarok a ton is because they were like we guardians it up and it will work better for audiences um but then this movie was like doubled down even more on it and it's like i don't think that you guys got the right lessons from those movies to the point where there is thor has always had uh really like plasticky fake uh uh costumes yeah right He's always had like a plastic, like plastic, like shiny uh, suits. And uh, but like this movie, for some reason, I was just like, why does his suit like look like it it belongs on the like on like a Marvel theme park? <laughs> yeah, it was very much. He looked like an actual action figure on screen. Yes. And like it, it works with like if that gets us at you, the aesthetic you're going for. But like. <sighs> It, it was like, I kept on looking at it and being like, it doesn't tell me anything about this guy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like good costuming. Good costuming tells you a lot about what's going on with the character. And, you know, speaking of, you know, going back to the last movie we were talking about, you know, we have a character who's in RR. There's a character who starts off pristine and well combed and looks like the best of any man that you've ever wanted to see and then he ends the movie in like a traditional uh traditional indian wear and dressed like a god that like is half naked and wears is wearing robes yeah like you went from like pristine and perfect to like more an an homage to the culture of his of his homeland yeah it's kind of like costuming can be a theme you know costuming can serve a theme and relate to the plot and function of the movie (laughs) and and with this one it's like i felt like that was empty it was just like it just served the aesthetic yeah so initially i said i i like this movie and i spent i think the first part of this discussion saying like why i was like frustrated and was kind of uh, annoyed by this movie but the reason you like this movie (laughs) yeah but the reason i said i like this movie because i think there's a lot here to like and to me it's probably the best phase four marvel movie that's come out so far i think like i understand that you like the screaming goats meme oh but you know you, you know that's definitely my sense of humor i love that yeah. that i i know that look I, I know every episode that you try to sneak it in there mm-hmm, yeah and, and you have to just convince me to edit it out and yeah it's, <laughs> it's always it's always when i say something about how marvel sucks you're always like Meh! and i'm like okay god I get oh it. you you don't even know how many i'm going to add to the subtle background of noise of this podcast episode people are going to have an ear out they're going to listen for it they're going to be like hey is that is that the <laughs> i will say no, like, i will say I, I don't know how how well those that joke that 18 time joke happened uh, worked for you mm-hmm. it worked for me a singular time in that movie and it's when they're going to like the shadow realm to fight yugimoto mm-hmm. and uh they crash into the planet and I was like, and then they scream and I laughed. I was like, I laughed because I thought that they went head first. The goats <laughs> went head first into the planet and then the boat hit them. Yeah. And that's why they screamed. I, I was like, that was hilarious. Yeah. I, okay. It's a dumb joke. It's like 10 years old or however long it's been since that initial viral video came out. I just love that stupid meme so much. So it's so. Oh, so you do. You love I, I genuinely liked when they showed up in the movie and I was like, no way. They're actually doing this stupid meme from like 10 years ago. Sure. Okay. Wow. I guess putting this kind of humor in for kids makes a lot of sense. But man, I just, 
I just love a dumb screaming goat. I I, I feel it, like that's like the like Fortnite dances of memes though at that point. Oh oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I know it's a really bad opinion about like humor and stuff, but it's just a weak point of me, man. Like Fair. after like a hundred times, it'll probably will get annoying, but there'll be a little part of me that's like ah, classic. <laughs> 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 yeah. So. Another thing I think this movie does really well, besides some of like um, creative aspects to it, is compared to other Phase Four movies, right? I really like the playing of color, film techniques, and stuff. It was really interesting the way they actually went to the shadow realm and decided to take all the color out of those scenes and only bring it back up when you got to see the interaction of like the magical weapons they would carry. They would light up moments and you would see the actual color come back into the scene around their hammers and stuff. I thought that was really cool. I wish other Marvel movies played with color and like setting or theme like this movie did, right? I loved the look and the landscape of the Olympic planets or the planet with all the, the gods and stuff. I wish other Marvel movies Movies would play around with like the mystical and the fantastical nature guardians of the galaxy did that a lot and i think some of maybe initially people had the idea that this was going to be very like guardians of the galaxy prominent like aesthetic to it which you know i wouldn't blame you from the all the trailers and stuff but i still really appreciated the visiting of other worlds and all the creative cultures they had and the aliens designs and the architecture of some of the planets it's just kind of like i wish they had done more with it but i really still enjoyed that yeah um i was i think it's funny you had mentioned in the in the our, our review uh that like the uh, mo like the part with the dance sequence where you're like i can see they did some visual effect here and like it took you out for a second mm-hmm. right when they went to the shadow realm my entire brain went they're doing this to save on cgi <laughs> they're doing this because they have really they have nothing and they know they can hide so much <laughs> with color tone because it literally okay first off the editing in this movie is terrible real quick um, i mean you're definitely potentially right about that they tried or may have done that to save time or cost or money or cgi effort but i like that they took that chance uh, but like it, it was it was one of the things where uh it went so like the editing's bad mm-hmm. where they like randomly end up in like a tent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, where are we? And it's like, you're, you're in a tent. It's probably bright blue, bright green. Mm-hmm. And you guys got it like a Walmart. And, <laughs> and like, they're like, Oh, we're going to walk through here. And it's like the plastic that you find in like a warehouse. Yeah. And it's like, this is, you guys are literally in a cheap Halloween, uh, <laughs> a scary house. Mm-hmm. There's like literal pieces of metal on the ground that like he drew on and it's like where did he get this metal from why is it like this i can see the tears i know that this is a tarp from the dollars well he got it from the shadow realm man (laughs) he got it from the shadow realm and i'm like where what what, like why why are you guys selling this like it's like a genuine like this like this works Mm -hmm. and and I just kind of was like, I guess this is why it's black and white because they they know that you ah, uh, what's it called? Um, oh man, the the reference that I have in my head. Uh, you, did you watch Arthur growing up? I did a little bit. You know, it's hard for me to remember how much of Arthur I watched from when I was like five or six or however old I was when I watched Arthur. But I have enough vague memories of me actually watching it that I could say, yeah, for sure. Okay, so there's an episode where one of the characters is like they they're like really into like the Harry Potter of that universe, mm-hmm. right? And they have a friend who's blind. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we're going to set up like a play date and I'm going to like dress everything up and it's going to be really cool. But then she's like, I don't have 
you know, suede blankets. And like she has like these polka dot, like really gaudy blankets yeah. and like all the stuff she's using is really cheap. But like the idea being like the blind girl's gonna like care <laughs> that it's like not the same thing. And it's like, oh, you know, who cares? It's just, you know, it's the thought that counts. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about the fact that it's like, yeah, no, it's exactly that where it's like <laughs> turn off the lights and you just yeah, you, you know what? It's a spooky cave. It's okay. It's, it's okay that it's made of tarps. It's a spooky cave. <laughs> and like I, I, on like one end of me is like this is terrible mm-hmm. because like it's clearly super cheap and mm-hmm. like have the fight scene there i think don't get me started on the fight scenes um they have the fight scene there and i'm like yeah i can see the cgi puppet that you have for jane being flung around and that it really wasn't that many fight scenes i i think a thing that i've seen about this movie is that a lot of moments in this movie is just people in a room talk to each other or people in area talk to each other i mean that's fine i like that yeah yeah me too i like movies of people just talking you shoot we watch the farewell that's only people talking (laughs) yeah those are good movies but like for me like yeah but visually i mean like i like the idea like you're talking about like of it going pure black and white mm-hmm. and then just having the lightning bolt and mjolnir and stormbreaker like highlight it once in a while yeah and i really like the uh play on like scale on them being on what looked like a big planet and then as a gag it turns out to be a small one and those goats in boat crash into it and then the way they were running on the planet with a giant shadow monster chasing them i thought that was really creative and i'm glad they just tried things even though like you said doesn't always work sometimes you know but i like appreciate the try uh, yeah i respect the attempt at the very least i think it the the worst execution that i've seen from a marvel film in their attempts at doing things i think the ideas are good i think they present really cool visuals ideally but like i don't think taika has a handle on action if we're going to if i want to focus on that for a second because uh-huh. his editing for action and the way that he frames action in this film is really messy and a lot of the times incoherent in regards to like following the flow of a fight yeah and earlier in this talk i talked about the sea beast i think that movie has great flow of action very engaging and in this film it's more of the take have you ever seen like the people talk about taken and how bad their their like action sequences are choreographed like having teams have to do one thing yeah i think there's a notorious cut from taken three where it takes i don't know 24 cuts to for him to jump over a fence yeah and so that's how i feel with these action sequences where i'm like you don't focus any on any of these cool concepts for long enough or do any of these cool visuals or like just take a moment for any of it the way that i thought thor ragnarok did and i'm like maybe he wasn't in charge of the action in thor ragnarok yeah which a lot of you know that's when people talk about like the behind the scenes for marvel they talk about how like a lot of the movies have the previs done for them mm-hmm. right so like maybe he was just handed the previs for ragnarok and then did it with like his writing and style right of storytelling involved right yeah but this film i was like they have the final fight the final fight is him giving like 30 kids the power of thor and then him cutting between each of those individual 30 kids doing uniquely different things in entirely different parts of a room and i'm like this doesn't work on like a technical level (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i know some of this was due to covid you know in filmmaking because like that also also sucks yeah i mean it is what it is you know a lot of these things are just they've just been complicated by covid restrictions and covid shooting and you could do 
do your best and just try it. And sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know, and it's fine. Sometimes you get sometimes you get the Batman <laughs> and then sometimes you get Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. So to continue to speak about like why I still enjoy yeah, you, like, you like it. Sorry, I keep on trying to harp on like, it. Well, it's it wouldn't be as interesting if I didn't like talk about why I initially said I, I like this movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I like the way they played with that uh, idea of the planets and the black and white and the scale. That was really cool. I also love the opening sequence. Christian Bale's whole journey, disillusionment of gods and stuff was really well done. I just wish, I know they chose this specifically for it to be relevant and tie the story together where he's confronting his gods. The gods are kind of just like laughing and just making light of his whole like sacrifice and the death of his daughter and the collapse of his people and like i thought all that was great i i saw what they were going for i get it because of the story this movie decided to do i completely understand why they made the sword kind of corrupt him and make him kind of oh the sword's influence on him is driving him crazy and it's making him kill all these gods and is going on this rampage of killing all the gods i get it because the end of this movie wouldn't work without that yes i just wish they didn't do that and and, and just let him be like, oh, you know what? The gods deserve to die because they aren't worthy of the people's worship. And he just kills them anyways. No corrupting influence. It's all just him. And then as he's killing these gods, his storyline could have been a little bit more interesting for me if they just gave his purpose a different approach it was still awesome i loved seeing christian bale just ham it up in his scenes it's just kind of like i have to separate the idea that i would have liked maybe to have seen this as a drama with some comedy versus the comedic film this movie is you know yeah so <laughs> i agree with you and i i try like i i, I want to be clear that i'm not judging this based off of i don't judge this based off this movie based off of what i wanted to see from it i judge it based off of what i think the movie gave me um, because like some people will be like, oh, these, these, all the things that you want, you didn't get. So you had too high expectations. So I was like, well, I had no expectations for what Gore was going to be. I had no idea what I was getting. Right. I mean, even if you had expectations, it's okay to have expectations going into a movie, you know, like it's just a normal thing to experience when you're excited yeah. about a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited about this movie. I, I told people, well, I told people specifically this. I was excited for the movie when the first teaser trailer dropped. It, it painted a very specific tone. Yeah this film that i was super interested in it was like an introspective look at thor's journey like he's been through so much like he's gonna have the very emotional serious movie that peppered with comedy that i've been wanting from this this character because he's gone through so much especially coming after the events of infinity war yeah. this is the first time we're gonna get to see a post infinity war thor guardians of the galaxy members and just other people involved in those events but after that those events that we haven't gotten the chance to see much of yet you know yeah it's like his character has gone through so much from his introduction in thor one to now and we're gonna bring back this character who was deeply intertwined with him in the first two movies we're gonna have a villain who's deeply entwined with the idea of him being a god and it's going to be like this really emotional personal film for thor that's going to be funny 
and really well done because again i'm expecting taika watiti level film here and what i got i was like i was like man like and then oh that well i saw the trailer i was like this is gonna be great i'm super excited for this movie and then the second trailer the, the actual like official trailer drop yeah right yeah and people were like and it was like funny and like goofy and silly and all that stuff and i was like oh i was expecting the teaser trailer this is the regular the official trailer i really hope that the teaser trailer is going to be what it is because i want it to be full of like this heart that i'm 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 ready for yeah and then the second trailer dropped and it was more of the the official trailer yeah and then a third trailer dropped it was more of the official trailer i was like this is great i'm so happy this is so good it looks great it's like what i wanted i was really like people were saying that like i didn't like the teaser trailer and i was like i'm the exact opposite and if we're gonna get a movie that's like these trailers i'm not gonna like it <laughs> but and it was so i liked when the movie started and gore was like having the moment with his daughter i'm big softy i have two children so like mm-hmm. it's gonna hit me yeah. in a certain way you know and i'm watching it and i'm seeing and i was really hoping that the necro sword thing was yeah it wasn't gonna corrupt him because there's so much good material of just of it not not corrupting him and him being like no it's not corrupt i'm that angry about this yeah and like and he's and he's rightfully angry about it. Yeah, you know, it it's kind of like I know this movie was going for, right? And you can't I kind of wish they would have been like Gore is going to kill all the gods and we get to see some of the gods he kills or like this kind of conflict when the people of a planet that worship a god that's actually beneficial or like good gets murdered and there's just like this evidence of gore being unjust in his like crusade to kill every god right and i wish we got to see that but we don't and so it's like oh well oh well i get that part of that corruption is just a reason that also allows thor to not like have too much self-questioning because the whole point of this movie is for his art to be like i'm already self-questioning my like self and i need to find inner peace or a thing that fulfills me and if you introduce a character that makes him further question his own identity then the movie doesn't really wrap up which is a shame but i have heard the complaint that some of the marvel movies feels like they come up with the ending and work their way backwards right yeah i can see that about this movie i like the idea of thor having a child to take care of i just don't know how much that's going to be a thing in the other movies because even speaking to ragnarok it was a really cool and pivotal moment when thor lost his eye and was affected by the events right and it just never comes up anymore nope yeah so like who's to say that the impact of this movie in the ending where he has a child even going to be important after it yeah uh, that was with this movie right mm-hmm. um i was saying again i was saying that like i was really hoping for a movie that was like a wrap-up of his character not necessarily because i wanted him gone but because i think he deserved that as a character yeah my main thing was and it it, it sucks because this movie does it is that every movie it feels like whoever's behind whoever's making it just decides what they want to do with thor rather than like looks at thor as a character that would do yeah this, right yeah like it's it, okay we need thanos to be killed who would kill like who would have killed thanos okay we're gonna have thor do it it's like would he have like was that his reaction would like would that reaction make sense in like a story way or is like is it like we came up with that idea and then we figured out how to get there yeah right like you said which i think well, that's a bad example because i think thor probably would have done it because he was like i'm tired of this and that's my fault mm-hmm. but it very much felt like th- what they did with him in endgame was we don't really know what to do with thor but we'll do this with him and what he they did in infinity war like we don't really know what to do with him in after ragnarok so we'll do this with him ragnarok was like we don't know what to do with him after dark world <laughs> 
<laughs> so we'll do this with him. We don't know what to do with him after the first one, so we did this in Dark World. Yeah. We don't know what to do with him in Avengers. <laughs> yada yada. Every movie is literally like, we don't know what to do with what you gave us. Yeah. So we're just gonna reset him wherever we want. And this yeah. movie was like, I, I was watching this movie and there were literally points where I was like, is this Thor even worthy of holding Mjolnir anymore? Yeah, and the thing I... Uh... To like speak about something I like from the other inclusions of Thor in other movies, right? In Infinity War specifically, right? I like the idea that even though he was at his lowest, you know, you could be like overweight or depressed or all these different factors that make you feel worthless. He yeah. still was worthy because he's fundamentally a worthy character of Mjolnir and other weapon he chooses to wield, right? And in this movie, it feels like because of the events, but you really can't have Gore raise those questions in this character to complete this storyline that they want to go for in this movie. Because in the beginning of this movie, we get to see him traveling in the universe, saving people, not perfectly well. And some of the humor comes from him adequately savior of certain planets and civilizations but like you know ultimately compared to the gods that they present in this movie thor is worthy because he directly tries to help out people you know like he is in trying to his best to help and save as much people as he can in comparison to the other gods in this movie. Yeah, but my issue there is like the way that he acts in the opening sequence is a Thor 1 way of acting. Yeah, like, yeah, I can see that. Like a pre like a pre, like like Odin if, if he would have done what he did at the beginning of Guardians mm -hmm. of this movie with the Guardians and then went back to Asgard and Odin was like, "Yo, I just saw what you did." Odin would be like, "Yo, you're not worthy. I'm taking away your hammer. We're throwing it to Earth, doing the whole first movie again after the the, the events of the first uh, after yeah. the first 10 minutes." Right. Right. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, this is, this isn't working for me as a character from like, from a character's perspective for Thor. Yeah. I don't think that he's here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what I was like, you know what? Like it, it was, I can understand enjoying the jokes and the aesthetic and doing like a lot of the fun stuff that they do. But like, yeah, for me, it doesn't go to that. Like, it's not the, it's not that like, it's not that the humor doesn't land. It's not that I hate fun. It's that like, there's like a deeper like filmmaking side of it that like makes me not like well it. yeah and like for anyone listening to this it's like i think sometimes like you can criticize something that you love yeah and like it's fine and you can say you like a movie like i have and still have numerous complaints about it you know uh, yeah it's like if the things that and i also want to like prep like you know talk about like briefly when people because like i'm sure people will like look at what i say and be like, oh, he's like being like a critic and critics have like this like overly uh, demeaning view on film and why don't you just enjoy stuff? And it's like, I think people need to understand that like just like them, people like what they like and look for that in film. Yeah, I mean, they people experience different films differently, which is why there are like, yeah. you know, 400 movie podcasts like ours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, like me and you are different. Like a lot of the things that, will deter me from a movie you'll be like yeah that's fine like it was not good but like it's not gonna stop me from liking it yeah yeah exactly like the screaming goats <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, which i'm not gonna say like again the humor is not gonna turn me off from a film mm -hmm. but it's like you know okay like you you're you're okay with how this like you know the, again we talk about the shadow realm part it's like <laughs> you think the shadow realm aesthetic was really cool and it done really well and it's interesting mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm seeing the things that she saw with rr with the, the floaty head thing and i'm seeing you know cheap sets that they're mm -hmm. trying to hide with vfx yeah and 
So it's one of those things where it's like sometimes things are weighted differently for different movies. So like this movie isn't the worst movie I've seen this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. I think it is. A, it, it does rank below, like of like below a lot of films. But the way that I talk about movies, where it's like. I mean, like, I'm not going to stop you from watching this movie. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah. Let me, and I'm not going to tell you not like if you ask me, Anthony, should I go watch Thor Love and Thunder? I'm like, I mean, I don't like it, but you can go watch Here's it. Here's a question for you then, right? So yeah. would you say out of just just Marvel Phase 4, is this the better mo- movie or property that have come out of the Phase 4 products? I'd say no. Okay. Uh, really? But we have drastically different opinions on Phase 4. Yeah. And I'll say why. <laughs> because you say the one I, I want to say that the, the one you said was the worst uh was eternals correct yes yes i probably and i would argue that that one is among the best that they had for this phase <laughs> that's that's fair but and, and i would say this was among the worst and <laughs> you could say this is among the best yeah well that, that's fine and you know um to like go back to just real quick to like christian bale's performances right yeah. like as much as i had an idea of where it could go and what i would have liked to see after i got over that i i just enjoyed seeing a person just ham it up and have fun with his character even though it was over the top and silly kind of like watching william defoe just have fun with green goblin you know yeah i mean like there, there, there's enjoyment there that's like really cool uh, christian bale in the marvel movies like something i never thought i'd see <laughs> yeah me either and like to speak about the performance of the other actors and actresses in this movie like i i'm surprised they went with the love story for jane foster natalie portman's character again considering that was probably what I initially thought was an issue in the way that they handled that in the previous movies that made her walk away from it among other factors. And it's kind of a shame that she seems to have died in at the end of this movie, even though it's hard to say if death is ever really permanent in superhero movies, right? Because characters can always come back. But yeah, I would I, I, entirely I, upend the endings of film. Yeah, I I guess after I got over my initial like disappointment that the th- the title and the mantle of Thor isn't going to be passed on to Jane Foster and Mighty Thor, I was like, well, I guess it is what it is. And I enjoyed Natalie Portman's performances as the Mighty Thor in this movie. I think she, she was having a lot of fun in her in her role and bouncing off Chris Hemsworth and the other characters. I thought she was fine i think all the people other than christian i don't i don't think anybody's like of worthy of note other than christian bale in regards to their performances uh chris hemsworth uh, is you know he lives this character pretty much yeah he he is as iron man is to robert downey jr chris hemsworth is thor in like yeah. my head now you yeah there's there like certain castings that are like absolutely perfect and i think i would argue that that's one of them but i'm not going to be like oh man like chris hemsworth had a great performance in this one arguably i'd argue this is actually one of his weaker Thor performances but that has everything to do with the script and what it asked him to do <laughs> and or his improv <laughs> But like, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I think the Jane Foster stuff is interesting. They finally gave Natalie Portman a little bit of weight. We're talking about like story points that I wish would have happened. I knew that Jane was gonna die. I mean, yeah, uh, like Natalie Portman doesn't want to be in the MCU. Big tie up. They're gonna kill her. I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I totally understand her coming back for this one-off movie. And they didn't really say that they were gonna continue it, right? It's just the idea of a female Thor is great. I would love to see that and be a prominent thing in the rest of these franchise movies that were eventually going to come out. So it's just kind of like, well, I mean, I still have Valkyrie. She's dope. I love Tessa Thompson. And and I guess I will 
find my fulfillment in her character. <laughs> so it's funny. Um, I was telling I was telling my friend uh, before the movie came out, like my head cannon for what was going to happen in the movie, mm-hmm. right, based off of everything we've seen in the trailer. So what my thing was that was going to happen in the movie was that we were going to get like the basic Thor, Mighty Thor. A plot that we got uh the gore plot that we got but the way it was gonna end was jane foster was gonna die mm-hmm. right yeah and then after learning all the le- whatever lessons that he learned at the end of the movie thor is like look i've been looking for my fulfillment in all these different places whatever i think i understand that what i'm looking for isn't this and that i had what i wanted was with jane and that the movie was actually gonna end with the way that it started with with him burying stormbreaker and being under the tree mm-hmm. and then just dying like doing the odin thing and turning into gold dust and dying right mm-hmm. but because of his life or whatever he was going to go to valhalla and yeah. then in the trailer you get a, there's like a whole thing where he goes Jane? <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> right yeah. and i thought it was going to be he was going to go to valhalla and he was going to be in this big va- battle because you know valhalla is not necessarily like a peaceful heaven place it's more of like endless battle and beer yeah right or fun and so he was going to be in it and he's and jane was going to be there and he was going to be excited to see jane after she had died right and he had died because then they could be together and it was going to like tie up the whole love thing and then tessa thompson was gonna uh valkyrie was gonna become the new thor yeah which would have been cool you know i would have been like it ties it together she melted down the lightning bolt she fuses mjolnir together gets some cool gold accents she becomes thor with the power of zeus she becomes dope and we get to have a thor moving forward uh our thor has finished his arc and is happy natalie portman never has to come back (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like that was my headcanon going in and i was like i know they're not gonna do that but it would be such a fulfilling arc to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it would have been good and you know considering where these movies could go they could just easily go to valhalla later and natalie portman's character could return just as easily as idris elba's character could return you know like no one is off the table anymore and that's fine i hate it i don't mind if other characters come back because after you kind of accept that death is inconsequential then it's just like all right let's just see where this goes <laughs> like yeah there's plenty of things we can be like oh yeah i wish death was permanent or i wish characters or actors weren't squandered and roles death was a lady yeah but you know it what whatever and and i gotta say like to finish i guess talking about like highlights of actors performances and stuff i i enjoy seeing russell crowe just also have fun kind of like christian bell did and just be over the top and campy and yeah just having it all up going for an accent that i just can't even place i think they said it was like he was doing an accent from like an australian skit show of like a greek character so he was doing a a a a version of a joke version of a greek accent (laughs) yeah i liked it and i guess to just tie up this conversation about actors performances that post-credit scene where we get to see the actor who they chose to play hercules that was really fun who knows what they're going to do with hercules or if they're ever going to follow a plot line i don't think thor 5 is said to be involving hercules i think they just kind of are like hey here's hercules but i like the actor they chose for it the man from ted lasso you know so i've never watched ted lasso um i didn't i couldn't recognize the actor with the two seconds of screen time that they gave him yeah because they literally were like i think the line was like yes father and then they cut to black immediately yeah i was like I couldn't even see his face. Oh yeah, no, I I, I, I I pegged it immediately. I completely got it. It's uh, Brett Goldstein 
he plays Roy Kent and Ted Lasso. Okay. A, a great show, fun. The actor is good at being a pissed off guy. You know, like he his his character in that show is pissed off footballer, you know, guy who swears okay. unnecessarily too much, but also has a warm heart because he has a, a really close connection with his okay. niece. Um, I'm not, I don't know anything about him to be excited. Um, I don't like the idea that they're setting up something that they're never going to fulfill on like they do with every Thor movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, also I didn't talk about this. Uh, I didn't like the fact that the actors came back and Melissa McCarthy was hella. Oh. I thought that was really bad and they went on for way too long. I thought that was hilarious. And I was laughing my ass off when they chose Melissa McCarthy to be hella in that dumb play like that's so lazy it's like the most obvious choice it oh oh yeah i yeah it it definitely is and it was so dumb but i didn't like those plays the play the last time really yeah and this time it was just it just it worked for me man i was like okay you guys are doing this it's dumb it's fun and you chose an obvious pick yeah all right i like it it's it's so funny and i mean yeah like like, i hate that every time we talk about marvel properties is about how much i don't like it actually that's not true i did say that i thought miss marvel was cute Miss Marvel is cute. I love Miss Marvel. She's great. Yeah. I love uh, the actress who plays Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. I want to see her in so many things. Uh, Brie Larson looks like she's going to get good direction because she's a phenomenal actress and I wanted her to do so much better in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Super excited for the Marvel. She's had some phenomenal roles. And, you know, I, I guess to kind of just uh, finish this conversation about Thor 4, I think it was kind of interesting the choices they made in exploring the ideas of like religion and gods and And then not following up on any of it yeah it's just like i understand they they didn't this wasn't that movie to do that i wish it was don't make gore the bad guy then that's my but like it's just kind of like like examining the choices they made is interesting you know yeah the choice to not to show maybe it's due to time constraints money or something any gods of being butchered yeah being butchered any peaceful or benevolent gods that actively help the people the idea of gore kind of like awaken to the corruption of gods or realizing that gods aren't you know like divine helpers of the civilizations it's kind of interesting specifically because like if gore represents a devout follower of a faith from a time before i don't know our current modern society like they didn't really show his culture yeah but i got the impression that it was just a more ancient religious following of ancient type of people right compared to our modern society right and they gave him the perspective of a modern person's realization of gods right yeah so it's kind of interesting seeing like oh look they chose to give gore kind of this realization of this thought pattern of like a modern day person not like a devout follower who understands that the gods aren't necessarily beneficial to their civilization from the beginning you know or like the idea of arriving on this planet full of gods of all various kinds of cultures and how much that like absolutely ruins your worldview yeah if you're like a monotheistic religion right and or also the fact that seemingly everyone loves zeus there's no people that say or oppose anything zeus says there's no like conflict in this meeting which i guess is supposed to be a planet where the gods go to have fun but no one is like whoa 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 whoa, zeus hold on you could appreciate your sacrifices but we don't roll that way that's not us you know i'm cool with the orgy 
but not this you know like there's not enough uh, of like uh I, I guess that the like the whole purpose of the zeus thing was like and the the god the god sphere whatever section was like to prove that they were not great yeah which is i mean but, like at the same time i was like this is i feel like this doesn't work for that yeah especially because yeah you're right like it doesn't it doesn't add any like level of nuance to it no no and if anything like they don't really do anything with that it's just kind of like i understand it's a vehicle to show and give russell crowe his performance as zeus and show how the yeah. gods are just flawed and not worthy of savior and stuff. But like, there's no like interesting, even little just interactions between gods and each other, the people in the scene or anything. They're just there. They just all seem to love Zeus and they're just set dressing. And it's just kind of a shame because like the Marvel universe has such an interesting cosmology, right? Like there's gods above gods, above gods, above gods, above gods. And it's so interesting to explore and read about it. And they do nothing. Yeah, they're it. like, there are celestials there. What does that mean? I just watched the Eternals. Like, imagine if, imagine if the Eternals had to deal with gore. <laughs> like, that would have been kind of cool. Oh yeah, maybe that would have been. I don't know, a perfect villain for the <laughs> for, for the Eternals. Oh man. Oh, let's see. What gore think of a bunch of gods meddling in the DNA of other civilizations? You know as experiments oh my god when when the when one of the big plot points of that movie is the eternals realizing that the god they worshipped was like a terrible being of immense power that like was manipulating them the whole time who better than freaking gore to show up and be like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and like i know this goes into the territory of like fan fiction and like fan uh talking oh yeah i mean it's marvel they can cross over yeah fine. but like if i were to make this phase four franchise with all the hindsight i have of watching all these marvel movies already and the shows and everything it would have been a great thing to develop two major villains for this entire phase where you have kane king yeah if you had king as the seeming final villain of this entire phase and he's like this unstoppable threat that rivals thanos and then quietly in the background you're building the villain of gore and how he's just kind of like wiping all these gods out and then you have this person who presents themselves as like the most intelligent and manipulative god that controls all the timelines of the multiverse what a perfect way to build an interesting villain slash anti-hero a guy that murders all the gods for this insane quest but ultimately you want to win because you want kang to be defeated you know that would actually that's why i like the problem with like, again we talk about the phase four problems like it feels listless because like <laughs> there's so many interesting things and like i don't need it to be end game level intrigue right like of like build up and sagas and all that stuff it's more of like use the characters you have to their fullest yeah and like develop them and like allow them to be the characters that they are that we the reason you're using them is because they're good characters <laughs> yeah so use them as good characters <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's interesting the choices they made in this movie the choices they didn't i wish this was a different movie but i'm happy with the movie they gave me it was entertaining i really enjoyed the choices and the risks they took it didn't always work out some of the moments fell a little flat there was plot holes created for other movies unintentionally in this movie like the whole eternity thing where oh if you can find the altar of eternity you get one wish presenting the idea of a wish kind of renders 
some of the like stakes of previous movies a little mute because it's like you know in comparison to like i don't know the infinity gauntlet it feels like oh if thanos was seeking the infinity gems or stones and wanted to enact his plan to you know probably would have come across this avenue as well uh, seeing how stormbreaker was made by the guy who made the infinity gauntlet yeah exactly like, I, like hey dude i want you to make this infinity gauntlet and it's like i guess he hid the fact that stormbreaker is the key to eternity yeah yeah or the introducing the concept of a wish that grants anything makes storylines kind of complicated but yeah all that being said after listening to probably all my complaints i still like this movie and i appreciate the risk they took it all didn't work out but like i still liked it yeah i mean and that's ultimately all that matters. <laughs> uh, like, I don't like this movie for all the reasons I've listed. I don't think, I think a lot of people try to dismiss uh, the critiques people have for one reason or another. Like, hey, you, you know what? If you enjoy this movie, that's fine. Um, you don't have to agree with my critiques of it. You don't have to care about my critiques of it. But understand that I have critiques of it and that's why I don't enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, part of it is that, like, even as this podcast is a thing, like, it's a fun hobby. I love it. I love talking about movies and stuff. But yeah. part of the thing, the reason I wanted to make this is I like talking about movies. I want to be better at critiquing movies and being able to explain why I like something despite it possibly not being good. Yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of value in practicing critique and being able to speak about why you're passionate about a movie. And sometimes you end up liking a movie and sometimes you don't. And it's refreshing to hear someone's opinion that doesn't exactly match with your opinion, right? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, again, we these two movies that we've talked about, like, you liked RRR, but I like RRR significant. I feel, I feel like significantly more. No, I think that's fair to say, you know, and that's that's great. That's fair, yeah. And then we have, but we both can like, That's I think that's why it's great to talk about movies is like you can articulate why. And sometimes people can't, and it's not saying that that's not okay. It's more of saying that I want to be able to do it well because it makes it makes it worth it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Where it's like I like this movie. It's like ah, oh, but like why did I like this movie? Mm -hmm. Like what what makes it fulfilling to me? Why why does this movie fulfill me as opposed to this movie? Or why does this movie not fulfill me as mm -hmm. compared to that movie? And it's I think it's interesting to find out why that's for some people. And some people, you know, they're not interested in that conversation, and I get that. But, you know, for me, it's cool hearing you, like, talk about your critiques about Thor, but then also be like, but ultimately that stuff doesn't matter because I like these things about it. Yeah. Right? And why I like, I still critique heavily the third act of RRR, <laughs> but I'll still love that movie because of everything that came before it and so like you know like moving forward we'll still you know still talk about these movies still talk about like why they're all great and stuff you know there's always going to be more marvel movies coming up what is the next one is it is it black panther i can probably look that up hold on ant-man or black panther I, i'm not excited for ant-man uh black panther at least has name yeah i marvel properties coming up that is specifically a movie i think it's going to be black panther wakanda forever okay. and looking at this list i just pulled up Yes, it is. It's Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, followed by Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and yeah. then uh, movies that may or may not change 
or be pushed called the Marvels. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one that that is definitely coming out because uh, they already teased it at the end of Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. Awesome. I think that's probably a good place to call this one. Let us know if you enjoyed Thor 4 or have you seen RRR and enjoyed that movie. Leave us a comment. We'll respond to them. We don't get them as much as I would hope, but that's fine, you know? <laughs> Just we, we, When we see them, we'll try to respond or at least like it or heart it or whatever. <laughs> Check that out. I, I like when people say stuff of like in response to like ideas that we present it doesn't happen very often most of the time it's just like this is very cool i appreciate those comments and i think that i am cool but <laughs> well, i also want your thoughts and your opinions on things and whether or not you think otherwise yeah <laughs> you know maybe we should um make a email for people to send in their uh, thoughts at some point you know i know some other podcasts do it you know, but it might be a fun way to see if we get any people w- wanting to share their opinions. Yeah, we'll open a PO box. You guys can send us stuff. We won't do unboxings, but we'll open it anyway. <laughs> see, I was just thinking of making an email kind of like, I don't know, just pick something pod mailbag or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Or the, what's the, like, you know, like Marvel has sta- uh, the, the author notes at the back. <laughs> you know where they they respond to mail that's sent to them yeah that'd be cool yeah yeah letters to the editor <laughs> kind of stuff. letters yeah letters page yeah duh. yeah but hey thank you for listening to this episode of the just pick, <laughs> just pick something podcast let us know if you have any thoughts or opinions about rrr or thor 4 uh, podcast episode the intro and outro song to this podcast is vhs dream by sean ivers link in the description as usual and link in the description for everything else thanks for listening and until next time